Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. That was loads of fun last Saturday, wasn't it? They say sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. That's how I felt about the Big Ten. So excited about week number two coming up later today. Monday, not fun at all between the Bears and the Rams. We'll see if the Bears can rebound tomorrow on the lakefront. We'll get a college football breakdown from Michael Felder at Stadium. He's terrific. The VP of Operations at Circa Sportsbook, Mike Palm, will drop by to tell us about their launch earlier on this week. The largest and most spectacular sports book in the world. Also, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse, as always, right here on Early Odds. But first, for the first time this football season, we welcome in the executive producer of Bet Sweats. You remember him, all you loyal scoreheads. Eli Hershkovich, follow him on Twitter by his name. I work with him every day on Bet Sweats. If you listen, if you subscribe to the podcast, you probably hear his voice and Ross Tucker yelling at him multiple times a day. How you doing, Eli? End of the week. We're almost there. Yeah, doing good, Joe. I think it's a good thing that Ross isn't with us today. Just, just you <laughs> and I. I like that a little bit. Shocking. I'm very surprised that you say that. We've got a full card, as always, with the NFL. Bears, Saints, we're going to break that down. And there's a theme, an overriding theme that we need to talk about with this week's slate of games in the National Football League. College football, Big Ten country. We've got Ohio State, Penn State. That's going to be a lot of fun later on today. We're not going to let Eli get out of here without talking a little college basketball. And we've got some Illini news that we want to react to uh, that you will be seeing them very, very soon. But uh, the big story in the National Football League is kind of different with sports bettors than it is with everyone else. It's funny. Like, I've listened to a lot of the coverage getting ready for Bears Saints this week right here on 670. The score as sports bettors, the number one thing that everyone is talking about in this game are going to be the weather conditions. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or people just looking at the game, not necessarily hardcore sports bettors, like, oh, yeah, um, the wind could be a factor. And not only is it going to be a factor in this Bears-Saints games, there are a bunch of games throughout the Midwest. It, It is coming into play. And we've already seen rapid total movement. In the Minnesota Green Bay game, Early on, this total was at 55 and a half reports of sustained winds at 25 miles per hour and gusts up to 40. Same thing on the lakefront tomorrow at Soldier Field. 25 miles per hour throughout expected, gusts up to 40. Vegas, Cleveland, same thing. So the Bears total goes from 47 to 43 and a half. The Cleveland, Vegas, 
Green Bay, Minnesota games, both of those go from 55 and a half all the way down to 51. What, what is your reaction to what's happening with these totals? Yeah, so over the last three-plus weeks, Joe, you're looking at a 26-17-1 mark for unders. So not only is the market adjusting, but as we see weather conditions kind of go the, the wrong direction in terms of snow and high wind speeds and rain, it's going to go the other way as well. And betters uh, adjusting the market themselves uh, throughout the weekend, earlier in the week as these weather reports start to come out. So you mentioned the Bears and Saints game, right? Going from 47 to 43 and a half. That's a number where it's under a key number at 44, down to 43 and a half. You're probably looking to wait to bet that one until around kick because I doubt it gets much lower than 43 and a half. Maybe it goes to 43, but you're not going to get much worse of a number than 43, 43 and a half. The Packers Vikings game is very interesting. You mentioned that one as well with uh, some uh, precipitation coming down in in Green Bay, sitting at a total of over under 51. And that seems a little bit inflated to me, Joe, because you have a high scoring game in week one between these two teams, putting up 70 plus combined points. So as a result, even with the weather coming into Green Bay, the total is still going to be inflated based off of what we've seen and a high scoring offense with the Packers and an offense that's come together in recent weeks before the bye week with the Minnesota Vikings. So in terms of the Vikings Packers total, that might be one if you want to bet the under on because of the weather coming into uh, coming into that game. You're going to get a good number today or even before kickoff. But when the number is already under a key number like 44 uh, with the Bears and the Saints, it's okay to wait until kickoff because it's not going to dip too much less. The 42s, 42s, 42 and a half even, it's still under a key number. Don't go in detail yet, but just your overall thoughts on this card. Because I think week eight in the NFL is the card that I have the most sides and or prop bets on and it's really not close. I love so many different things this week. Yeah, you, you discussed it on BetSweat. <laughs> not one, not two, not three. Acting like the Miami Heat. Uh, go back to what, like 2011, 2012. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's funny because I think you tweeted this earlier in the week, Joe. You were saying that you weren't a huge fan of the card at first, and then you wanted to bet uh, everything, obviously, by Friday <laughs> or even Thursday. I felt the same way, and I usually don't bet a ton. I usually limit myself in, when it comes to the NFL and even more so with college football, but there are some sides that I really like, and I, I'm, I'm waiting to maybe bet some totals, especially with the Bears and the Saints, a little bit of a lean towards the under in that game. But, yeah, as, as the market adjusts, like we saw Ravens and, Ravens and Steelers open up at 5.5 earlier in the week, now down to four, you're starting to get some numbers that have a little bit more value. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. Myself and Eli Herskovich, executive producer on BetSweats for Radio.com Sports. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow Eli on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. But really, Eli just wants you to follow BetSweats. That's all he asks. Just follow BetSweats. He uh, does all this hard work and he tweets out all these cool clips and all the links to all the different interviews and segments that we do on the show Monday through Friday for Radio.com Sports. You alluded to Bears Saints, Eli. Let's go into it. Let's take a a deep dive here. And the line is the Saints minus five. Hold on. That's interesting. The look ahead before Monday night was New Orleans minus two and a half. And the Bears were so inept that the line cut right through the three. And then they reposted after Bears-Rams at three and a half. Now we get some more injury news. 
Allen Robinson, concussion protocol. Cody Whitehair not practicing. Khalil Mack, I don't know, maybe Veterans Day, maybe not. Michael Thomas returning to practice for the Saints. So you throw all that together and the public perception way down on the Bears. This number's at five, and I wouldn't be alarmed if uh, we were to wake up on Sunday as we get closer to the late afternoon game and the Saints were going to be six-point favorites against the Bears. Yeah, and you know me, Joe. I hate the Bears. But just from a betting perspective, hate, hate, hate. despise. Yes, it is It is a very vicious, vicious relationship, or maybe it's one-sided with me against the Bears. But the Saints run defense, man, like injuries aside, New Orleans top three, so the third best opponent yards per rush attempt uh, in that in that respective category, allowing just 3.5 uh, yards per rush attempt. And the Bears offensive line can't get any push. We saw that against a decent a really good Rams front led by Aaron Donald on Monday night. The Saints defense is healthier after the bye week from a couple weeks ago with Davenport back. So I don't know how the Bears are going to get much of a push when they try to get any sort of run game going uh, going back to Monday night again. And then if Allen Robinson doesn't play for for the Bears and and you're talking about a, a pass rush that can that can get after you, like maybe not as well as the Rams could on Monday night, but still an efficient pass rush with the New Orleans Saints. I think this goes under, like not just from the weather. Uh, the Bears defense, obviously, top 10, top 15 in a lot of categories uh, against the run, maybe in the middle tier across the league, and which the Saints are going to try to do. So the Saints could be effective on the ground of this game. But that plays even more towards the under, because if the if the Saints are able to play a slower pace game at a snail pace and, and wind down the clock, uh, you could see this go uh, on, under as well. Even a first half under might be a look. I think some people are also looking towards, or I, I've heard this a little bit throughout the week, that People like the over because, well, Saints-Bears, difficult conditions last year, and that one went way over. You also saw a uh, fumble on on special teams that set up, up I think it was the Saints or the Bears, uh, for a touchdown in that game. You saw uh, a fumble by the Bears in their own territory. So, And the Bears were playing with a negative game script in the second half. So a lot of things led to the total going over. I I think you're not going to get value as a result per se, but I, I think it should go the other way this year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't think either one of these quarterbacks is going to be able to cut through the wind, especially if you have gusts up to 40 miles per hour. Even if there was no wind, Drew Brees might not be able to uh, push it down the field. That's not his game anymore. But I've been talking about it for a few weeks. I felt like the market was slow to adjust. The amount of explosive run plays at this Bears defense that everyone wants to say is Super Bowl ready. They're definitely top five. They give up a lot of big runs and not the best run team in the Rams. 161 yards on Monday night. I'm going to be taking a close look at the Kamara and Latavius Murray props. Take a look at those numbers because you might want to bet over. And something else I found fascinating, the Saints give up a lot through the air, especially to tight ends. Six touchdowns in six games to tight ends. Bears like to target Jimmy Graham when he's actually on the field, Matt Nagy. So I could see Jimmy Graham anytime touchdown or Cole Komet anytime touchdown coming through for the Bears. Yeah, and just and in terms of a, a touchdown prop for the Saints, I think Latavius Murray is an interesting one too. Not sure what the, the number is going to be. But I think if you're looking at an anytime touchdown prop, Kamara is going to be priced just about right, maybe a little bit inflated because he's the Saints, one of the Saints' best uh, offensive players, even with Michael Thomas back. So Lat Murray uh, for an anytime touchdown would be the play for me. All right, let's roll through some of these games because there are so many different ones that I like. And game of the weekend, Raven Steelers. Both of us have a play. 
we didn't even talk about this, but uh, the two of us have landed on the side as one of our favorite plays. I think this is your favorite play of the weekend. Go ahead, Eli Hershkovich. Ravens, Steelers. This thing's been bouncing three and a half, four. Ravens, the favorite. Yeah, I like Baltimore, and I'll be, I'll be laying the points. Joe, you know this. I rarely lay points in any sport, even if it's a short line. College basketball, which, which is my specialty, rarely lay the points in, in that sport either. So uh, for Baltimore, I think the biggest – uh, I think the biggest factor coming into this game, yes, you could point to the Steelers' elite run D, top five in opponent yards per rush attempt, and a Baltimore offense that relies heavily on their ground game, especially with the conditions not not too great uh, in comparison to the Bears-Saints game either. But the Ravens have a big advantage in terms of rushing the passer. This is a, a Ravens team that, that gets a lot of pressure and blitzes a ton, regardless of their sack percentage. But getting Ngakwe from the Vikings is a huge addition. We saw him a couple of years ago uh, with the Jaguars against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. A uh, bit of a Steelers killer in, in some of their matchups. And uh, adding him to that defensive front for Baltimore for a team, again, that blitzes a ton already in their sack percentage over their last three games sitting at before the bye at over 12%, which is top. Tops are actually, uh, it's it's behind the Broncos for number two in the league in sack percentage. A Steelers offensive line that can be had in terms of pass rush. So if if Baltimore's corners can hold up, I know Peter's status is a little dicey. You're getting one-on-one coverage, yes, against some Steelers receivers that can go up and get the ball. But I think the Ravens will be, will be able to get home against Roethlisberger enough mm-hmm. where you're, you're going to put uh, your offense in, in good field position. And, and Lamar Jackson looked healthy in the Eagles game going back to uh, a couple weeks ago. So laying it with the Ravens is the, is the right move and the right side to me. And that's the side that I'm on. Even though it's north of a field goal, I will be laying it with Baltimore here. Great spot for the Ravens off the bye. Harbaugh. 10-2 and two straight up, 9-3 and three against the spread as a head coach coming off the bye. The game will be decided with the Ravens' run game. Are they able to figure out a couple of things during the extra time to prepare? And the Steelers have Barnard, the best run defense in the NFL. Now, that Ravens' run offense has been explosive. They have the second-highest explosive run rate. And, you know, the Steelers are the only undefeated team left. Uh, so they come out as six-point underdogs. Money came piling in on Pittsburgh, so it moved down to three-and-a-half in that four range. But don't forget, like, last week's game was a basically a coin flip. It came down to the very end against Tennessee. There could have been overtime, and maybe there's a different winner. And the Steelers have been involved in some other close games. They're a very balanced team, maybe the most balanced in the NFL, Pittsburgh is, but I'm not completely sold on what they are yet we're going to find out a lot about them tomorrow yeah and one more interesting note on this game from a betting perspective yes the Steelers uh, against the spread price went down from like you mentioned as high as six at some books for their openers down to four but the money line price went up it was sitting at around plus 155 earlier in the week when the number came down against the against the spread now it's up to plus 180 so it tells you that the market reaction even though even though money has come in on Pittsburgh, there's still some, uh, there's still a lot of confidence in the Ravens to at least win this game outright. All right, we've got uh, uh, some other games that we want to rifle through on. There's no common games as far as that goes, but I'm going to take a look at the Broncos and the Chargers. The Broncos, it's now three and a half point favorites at home. The look ahead line a week ago was a pick 'em. So you've got all this steam coming up on the Chargers side because of the rookie quarterback and Herbert, everyone getting excited. But don't forget that Herbert had to have a late game fourth quarter comeback against 
the worst defense in the National Football League in the Jaguars. The other one for the Chargers, Cincinnati. So they haven't beaten anybody good here. Not that Denver's that, but I think they're better than people perceive them to be. They're 0-3 at home, which we never, ever see. But their three losses have come against Kansas City, Tennessee, in Tampa Bay, three of the best teams in the league, and they do have some explosion on offense with the passing game. Drew Lock, I mean, there's something there, and they were actually hanging around against Kansas City. They got a defensive score, a special team score, and what do you know? The Chiefs run away with this game, but Broncos getting more than three points against the Chargers? Give me Denver here. Yeah, no, I like that pick, Joe, a lot. I think there's some value in, in the number. Let's go uh, to the NFC North. We've got the Packers and the Vikings. I know you have a strong side here. I'll be on the Vikings. I know this number's come down from seven to six, but we saw the injury report. Green Bay is banged up. Aaron Jones not expected to play. And in terms of the weather impact on this game, I think the Vikings are going to have to lean on Dalvin Cook, and they would want to anyways. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran all over the Packers in that first matchup. It just didn't matter because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers controlled the tempo, controlled the pace, and that one went up and down the field and scored it well. I think it was over 40 points in that game. But if the Vikings are able to employ a similar strategy to that Seahawks matchup from a couple weeks back on Sunday Night Football where they should have won outright, Mike Zimmer's decision-making down the stretch, not great, but that Packers run D is in the bottom half of the NFL and opponent judge per rush attempt. Dalvin Cook off the injury report on Friday. So appears healthy. Minnesota, again, if they could control the tempo in this game, keep it within a couple possessions within the six, which they did at Seattle, again, a couple weeks back, Minnesota seems like the right side, even with their secondary issues. That's a below average secondary to begin with. I know, obviously, earlier in the week, we talked about it on Bet Sweats that you loved it at seven. Do you feel the same at six? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I know seven is a, is a key number in the NFL, but I think, listen, I know you gave me a lot of crap for this, but... The Vikings have a shot to win this game if they're able to control the pace and control things on the ground. If you want to take a step back to that Seahawks game, even Seattle got back into the game because Kirk Cousins, yes, he's rattled and primetime. Everybody likes to point it uh, to that example, uh, especially in that matchup against the Seahawks. But Dalvin Cook also exited that game in the second half, which rattled the Vikings offense. So if Cook stays in the game and he should have a lot of success against a Packers run D that is exposable, I'm perfectly comfortable with uh, with getting six points, even below a key number of seven. That's Eli Herskovich, executive producer of Bet Sweats. I'm Joe Ostrowski. Early odds on Sports Radio 670, the score. couple other sides that really interest me. The Rams on a short week now going across the country for already the fourth time this year to visit the Dolphins coming off the bye, and it's two a time. The Rams are the three-and-a-half-point road favorites, and it feels like this coaching staff has been preparing for this spot all season long. Like, they knew early on. We don't care what is going on with the team, how Fitzpatrick is performing. This is about the future of this team, and we are going to play Tua this week. So I think uh, they're going to have some things prepared on offense that we are not expecting short week. Let down spot for the Rams. I do like the Dolphins plus three and a half. I think there is a chance that they could actually pull the outright upset there. Tomorrow night, it's not going to be fun. We're not going to get excited to watch it. We've got the two and five Cowboys, 0 and 7 against the spread, taking on the Eagles. Philadelphia, 2 4 and 1 on the year. The line is nine. Extra rests right before the bye for Philadelphia. And we're seeing QB3 for the Dallas Cowboys. They are just a disaster 
a disaster. Ben DiNucci is going to be out there. The Eagles are starting to get healthier. You know, there's no O-line for the Cowboys. That's just the fact. Like, DiNucci's going to be running for his life, and the Eagles' strength is actually their front seven. So I think they're going to be hunting him down all night. It's crazy to say this because the Eagles have not been that impressive on offense. If there's such a thing as a get-right game for even the worst offense in the NFL, it's facing this Cowboys defense. I'm laying the big number, and it might be a big mistake. So I'm on the Eagles and the Dolphins as well. Yeah, Joe, I would lean Dolphins as well, even though it scares me a little bit with that elite Rams defensive front going up against a a rookie quarterback making his first start. But if you're getting it just outside a field goal, I would, I would lean Miami. And then in the Eagles game, I like that as a teaser lag. I, I would, if you could find somewhere at some spots, Philly is still sitting at eight and a half. So if you can get the Eagles down in a six point te- teaser to two and a half, uh, just laying two and a half within a field goal, I think that's the play. Some interesting props that I was looking at in this NFL Week 8 card. Uh, Everyone's talking about the Chiefs and the Jets because we have this crazy, crazy inflated number at 19.5. I'm not betting it, but the Le'Veon Bell revenge game, if you want to buy into some narratives, I can see Andy Reid making sure that Lev Bell gets into the end zone against his former team. And these weather games that we talked about, Eli, don't you think that it's going to be a lot of dump-offs? And I can see that in that Cleveland game. And the receiving yards prop is posted at points for Kareem Hunt, it was only 25 and a half. I, I really like that number since the Raiders give up 63 yards per game uh, through the air to running backs. Yeah, just from a market perspective in that game, though, I agree with you. A Hunt should be able to do his damage even on the ground, too, against, against Las Vegas. But I, I kind of like the Raiders in that game, even though I'm not going to take the two and a half. That might be another teaser, like uh, getting that one up in a six-point teaser to eight and a half within, uh, within one possession. Because Las Vegas, yes, they lost to Tampa Bay last week, but that's arguably the best team in the NFC. So from a market perspective, they were downgraded. And Cleveland beat a Cincinnati team last week that has one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So no OBJ. Last week or uh, midway through that game, no OBJ this week. But I think Cleveland is getting a little too much credit, even though they're 5-2 and two and have some impressive wins beyond, uh, beyond Cincinnati twice. All right. It's Eli time to shine right here on Sports Radio 670, the score during early odds. I know you were giddy when you saw the news earlier this week. ACC Big Ten Challenge is happening. It's going to be Illinois taking on Duke. What do we need to know once we get to this game? Joe, I haven't just been giddy. I have been jumping off the ground over the last two months knowing that we have a shot at getting college basketball in after not having March Madness last year. So starting off with the Illinois fighting Illini overall, down from 50-1 to to 15-1 to in the college basketball futures market. A lot of love for the Illini after Iodosumu announces he comes is, is a returning uh, at, for his junior year, I believe. I announced that over the summer. Kofi Coburn, one of the best bigs. And he's going to be a sophomore. He announced he's also coming back with IO. He was expected to come back. But to get Desumu back is a huge add for an Illinois team that probably could have made a run last year. Just didn't have the three-point shooting, in my opinion, to, to make it deep in March. But even though you're losing some pieces on the perimeter, going back to last season, you're getting Adam Miller, a Chicagoland product who could shoot the ball. And if IO is able to improve and refine his jump shot, that's big for Illinois. Again, a, a team that relied heavily on its interior scoring and, and, and mid-range jump shots. So also in transition. But looking at that Illinois-Duke game, not going to give you an overall preview, but man, the way the market is pricing Illinois, and obviously huh. it's because money's been coming in on the Illini to win the title. 
Duke around the same price. All things considered, it's it's still you know it's going to be a little bit into the season, assuming games start on time two weeks or so into the season. Probably looking at Duke minus six, minus six and a half, minus five. Even I wouldn't be surprised if it opened there if Duke struggles uh, to begin the year a little bit. Because again, the way the market is valuing these teams in the early portion or in uh, before the season starts, uh, it, with Duke bringing a couple key pieces back, like Joey Baker could stretch the floor. They have a top 10 recruiting class. Once again, that's not a surprise under Coach K, but this is an Illinois team. Again, no home court advantage. It's crazy to even start talking about that yet, but I, I doubt we're going to get any sort of home court advantage uh, for, for that Duke team. So I would expect Illinois to, co- to cover the number and, and keep this game close. I know you're not looking uh, prediction yet, but I think Illinois is going to be competitive with a lot, a lot of the upper echelon teams at college basketball. Eli Herskovich, the executive producer of the greatest sports betting show in the world. It's called BetSweats on Radio.com Sports on the Radio.com app. Subscribe to the podcast. Eli, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on Early Odds. Yeah, Joe, we'll probably talk tomorrow. We'll probably talk every day for the rest of our lives. No. (laughs) Someone, please, please prevent that from happening. Bunch of NFL content right there. What about Ohio State, Penn State, and some other matchups today that you'll be watching. We'll hear from Stadium's Michael Felder and Circus Sports' Mike Palm. Mike's an entertaining dude. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Game of the day, Ohio State, Penn State. Point spread has been dropping over the last couple of days. Early in the week, it was as high as 13.5, all the way down to 10, 10.5 of the last couple of days. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score every Saturday morning, 8 to 9. Stadium's Michael Felder appeared on my Radio.com podcast, Bet Sweats, to discuss Buckeyes and Nittany Lions. This game is uh, interesting to me. I'm, I've, I've spared no language when it comes to how frustrating it was to watch how Franklin handled the in-game scenario for Penn State against Indiana. And I wonder what it looks like for them to bounce back. Obviously, you throw in the fact they lose Noah Kane for the year, in addition, in addition to already losing Journey Brown for the year. They thought they were going to have a stacked backfield, right, with Devin Ford, Noah Kane, Journey Brown, and now two of those guys aren't there anymore. One opts out, one gets hurt. Now we've got uh, Devin Ford's going to have to step up. You can't expect Sean Clifford to be your leading rusher on a game-to-game-to-game basis in the Big Ten. So for me, I think that Ohio State is still figuring out who they are on the defensive front, which may allow for some rushing yards. But the reality is I know they know who they are at linebacker. They know who they are in the back end. So explosive plays will be limited. And if Penn State doesn't have those explosive plays, that means sustaining drives. And I think that's going to be an issue, especially when you look on the other side of the field and Justin Fields and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and the rest of these guys are going out to basically every play Ohio State calls, they think they can score a touchdown on. And I know in the run game, they do have to figure out who they are with Trey Sermon, with Master Teague. But the reality of it is, is every play they call, they're like, maybe we can score on this one. And that's a lot of pressure on a defense. So I want to see how Penn State handles that. I, I, listen, I think Ohio State Ohio State, and, the, and, and give them the points makes some sense simply for the fact of Ohio State's still stretching their legs out, right? Like this is part of my analogy, but this is a this is a newborn foal. Like the reality is they're in week two. They're just stretching their legs. They're just feeling it out. These guys don't even know how fast they can run yet and they still put up 50 points. I got to tell you, Michael, that'll be an interesting game. I feel like Penn State, they just have too much talent, I feel like, to lay that many points. But we'll see. Uh, what about Michigan and Michigan State? Can you explain to me, like, I know that there's a new coaching staff, 
But how can Michigan State be that bad? I mean, what happened with D'Antonio at the end of his recruiting run that they're that terrible? There are two things, and one is player-specific. I think Rocky Lombardi is just not good, and that I like him. I think he's a really cool kid. Full disclosure, my wife uh, went to Michigan State, and her cousin played at Michigan State. He was their starting left tackle for the last three years, uh, and now he's obviously out of the program. But I think there are a couple things. One, Rocky Lombardi is – He's a guy that they took a risk on, a flyer on, if you will, and to the detriment of other guys like Messiah DeWeaver, who could have been an actual good quarterback if they spent the time to develop him. But instead, they like this Rocky Lombardi kid's attitude. They like what he does. And I, I like it, too. And he's really fun. When I was covering the Elite 11, Rocky was a really – he's a real character, right? It was the same year as Tua Tungo-Vailoa, but the gap between Tua, uh, Jack Sears, um, even like Dylan McCaffrey, the gap between those guys and then – Rocky Lombardi was massively wide. He has great energy, great attitude, but I don't need a wrestler playing quarterback. I need a quarterback playing quarterback. And I think that's <laughs> what they have right now is a wrestler playing quarterback. So uh, it's that, but also there's an erosion of talent and development at the end of D'Antonio's time where you saw they, they went from, I'll try to be brief, but to go on the timeline, they went from a team that consistently recruited scrappy guys, under-recruited guys, guys that instead of going to TCU, come to Michigan State when they went down into Texas, right? Playing the Big Ten for a premier program. Let's go do this. And they clawed their way up into a college football playoff berth. Uh, they got smoked by Alabama because of the talent differential, but the reality is they had guys that were felt lucky to be at Michigan State. And then their recruiting elevated to guys who were like, yeah, I'm going D1 anyway, but Michigan State was in the playoffs, so I'm going to go play here. So they ended up getting guys that were super talented. Those Donnie, Cor Donnie Corley, all these other guys, they get these guys that are super talented. Oh, but guess what happens? Those guys, they don't fall in line the way that D'Antonio wants them to. And obviously there's some some disciplinary actions, some, some, some legal issues, and those guys end up out of the program. So what you have really is a void where you don't have your recruiting class. A bunch, Most of the guys from the recruiting classes after that uh, college football playoff berth aren't on the team anymore. So you have a massive gap in terms of roster cohesion and so they're trying to rebuild that brand and then of course everything happens with D'Antonio and then of course next thing you know they got a new coach so new coach no spring a roster void all those things kind of compounded themselves to getting your their behinds whooped by Rutgers so this is a team that I don't know how they get off the mat I don't know if they can get off the mat and I'm curious to see what they're going to try to do at the quarterback spot because right now I can't think of a guy I, they don't have they don't have a quarterback. They don't have a guy that inspires confidence. You can talk to me about his completion percentage, but the reality is, watching him throw and watching him move around and operate was not inspiring. So the the, the goal for them is going to be figuring out how to limp through these games and try to put together wins, largely rooted in a defense that is still figuring out where they're supposed to be. Terrific breakdown. Uh, what about Alabama, Miss State? We've got uh, Bama favored by thirty one. And you have the Trevor Lawrence news on Thursday. And now the thinking is, well, can he win the Heisman if he ends up missing a couple of games, including the Notre Dame game? So maybe uh, Mac Jones is the leader in the clubhouse right now. Ah, man, that's really I feel like Najee Harris will probably be a better candidate off of this Alabama team. I think he's RB one uh, when it comes to national from a national standpoint. But you're right. It's a quarterback award. What am I doing? Tricking myself into thinking that a running back could win this <laughs> like. Yeah, this is silly. But no, I um I'm really proud of Mac. Mac was also at that Elite Eleven that I mentioned that I referenced, right? With um with the rest of those guys. So he's a good guy. He's a good quarterback. He's got a good sense of humor. He knows who he is as a player, and he's he's taking advantage of 
uh, the spot that he's actually in. So this is going to be really interesting. Uh, you lose Jalen Waddle, but you still have John Mechie, who's amazing. You got Slade Bolden, who came out of nowhere and is absolutely – he went from zero catches all season to six catches for 94 yards. Okay, guess we got a player over here. And, of course, you still have Devontae Smith. So Alabama, for me, I think they will overwhelm Mississippi State. I think that also – I don't know. Mississippi State, they're a team – Kylan Hill decides to opt out. He's not coming back to school. He's not going to come back and play for Mike Leach. He's he's done. He's done. He's, 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 he's over it. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch – can Mississippi State find them get motivated? And and Mike Leach is 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 you know he's crapping on his players, which some guys don't even want to be here. Yeah, they didn't come to school to play for you, man. They didn't come. To <laughs> they certainly didn't come to school to be talked bad about, which is what he does in the media to his players consistently. We saw it at Texas Tech, saw it at Washington State. We're seeing it at Mississippi State too. Well, we got to figure out which of these guys actually even want to be here, or who wants to buy into our system. Well, you got to make them buy into your system and. The way you make them buy into their system is treating them with respect and, and treating them like adults and treating them like humans, and he's not known for that. So this is going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think Alabama really kicks their teeth in, and it's interesting in the in, in basically a month or five weeks, if you will, we've seen the highest high from Mike Leach and the lowest, and we're seeing the lowest lows, and that's the Mike Leach experience. You're going to be up. You're going to be down. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. I don't think they have a peak against Alabama, and I don't think they have a shot against the Titans. Strong take from Michael Felder at Stadium. Quality content there. Also on my radio.com podcast, Bet Sweats. Please subscribe. It's a daily show. The VP of Circus Sports, Mike Palm, appeared on the show because their enormous sports book at Circa opened this week during a pandemic in the middle of the football season. Not only to get it done, but to get it done two months early. Remember, the, the opening date was always going to be late December. And uh, because of the pandemic, it changed a couple of the situations for us. Uh, one, with the casinos being shut down for 11 weeks in March and April and May, um, we had the ability to work 24-7 without having uh, our, our partners operating businesses around us. Obviously, we would have been limited in the time frame we could do construction. The other thing was due to the social distancing, it became harder to get people vertically in elevators because you know, instead of being able to put 18 guys in one of these lifts, you could only put six and so on. So what we decided to do was just concentrate on the podium and get the casino built, the restaurants built, the pool uh, and the sports book, obviously. And so, yeah, were we ready? Were we 100 percent ready to open Tuesday night? Of course not. I mean, we could find a million reasons why we weren't ready. But, you know, we could find a million reasons why we won't be ready in December. Sometimes you just got to open the doors and then start to operate the building. So uh, we did it. And uh, thank you. You got to tell me um, exactly what you opened, where, what's functioning right now, all the details. Yeah, so, you know, we opened a, a resort that's a whole city block in its size and its dimension. And uh, really, we opened everything but the hotel. And it's, uh, you know, located in downtown Las Vegas on Fremont Street, right across from one of our sister properties, the Golden Gate, right uh, adjacent to the to the Golden Nugget here. And uh what we opened was uh, the first five floors, and, and that includes a two-level casino, which includes 1,350 slots, 58 table games, including uh, five at the pool level. We have five restaurants. We have uh, Project Barbecue, which is right at our, at our entrance outside next to the Circa Bar, which uh, provides just some of the best barbecue in town. We have Saginaw's Deli. For those of you that have been to Ann Arbor, gone to a game at Michigan. It's a very world-famous deli, Zingerman's. Uh, this is the brand of that. One of their co-owners, Paul Saginaw, 
delis are really a dying thing out here in Las Vegas. We're very proud to open this deli, which is our 24-7 restaurant. We have Victory Burger that's on the second level as well. It overlooks this massive three-story sports book. It's a burger and wing place operated by Chris Sotteropoulos and Grace Carroll that also operate our American Coney Island at the D. And uh, they have a famous restaurant in downtown Detroit. We have 8 East, which is an Asian fusion restaurant. Uh, which is operated by the owners of La Thai, a very popular Thai restaurant that has several locations in Las Vegas. Uh, and then we have Barry's Downtown Prime, which is our steakhouse located in the basement level. Chef Barry Dukake and his team, who ran Nine Group at the Palms for many years, Scotch 80 was their latest creation uh, at the Palms when it became a stations casino. They've come here and actually you know, are now, instead of operators, co-owners, Barry and his team of this restaurant. So very proud of all of that. The sports book, three stories. The basement level starts. That's where the writers are at in the first level of seating. The screen goes all the way up to the second floor of the casino. So from basement to two, it's three stories. Some of the best seats to watch the games are actually on the first level. There's a wall of video poker that we set as bar tops. We play video poker and look right into the sports book. Uh, second level as well. There's another uh, 66 machines, I believe, that overlook the sports book. And we have our own VEASAN studio now. And then Stadium Swim, this incredible uh, outdoor <laughs> aquatic amphitheater, as Derek calls it. Two levels, uh, kind of built like a stadium. You've got 32 cabanas. Level five is where you enter the pool. And then it slopes down. And then level four is another set of cabanas. Six different pools. We can heat the water to 102 degrees in each pool. This is a 365 operation. We're going to run it in the winter as well. It's the first of its kind to do that. And then this massive, massive screen, 196 feet across, uh, where we'll broadcast uh, sporting events. And uh, in addition to having a DJ out there every day. So it's going to be a party atmosphere, but perfect for sports fans. We opened Tuesday night, and we had the big black tie party, and we had an event at Stadium Swim. And then tomorrow, you know, yesterday morning, we actually opened Stadium Swim, and, and I got there around noon. And I mean, the place looked great. The people are out there in the sun. The DJ's playing. We got the UEFA soccer games up on the screen. I mean, it, it was it was just tremendous. I mean, beyond what people imagined. It's even beyond what I imagined it could be. Oh, Mike, I've heard you talk about this for years, and it's something you should probably get trademarked. Failed content management. And it is so damn true. For the Bet Sweats audience, can you explain what that is and how you go about making sure that you're not one of those spots? It's really funny. Because when Derek, I worked at Fitzgerald's, right? And uh, when, when Derek purchased uh, Fitzgerald's in 2011 and then rebranded it to the D. And uh, in one of his early conversations with me, um, he talked about, um, you know, our love of sports. And, uh, and he said, how, how good would you be at running a, a TVs on a bar? Oh, I said, I'd, I'd be very good at it. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I got three TVs at home. But I mean, let's expand the process. Let's build the technology and I'll do it and I'll teach people how to do it. So it was this con concept of active content management. You know, you can't just put the game on and walk away. You have to actively manage what's going on. Not all games last two and a half hours or three hours or there's rain delays or, hey, somebody's got a perfect game going in the seven or, or you know, or all of a sudden here's a big upset brewing a 34 point dog is, is leading in the fourth quarter. You have to be there and you have to be watching. You have to know. Which game should have the volume on? What's the key game? We can't stand it. We go other places and we walk in and the Weather Channel's on or CNN or <laughs> Tyler Tyler Perry's on because the you know the NCAA basketball <laughs> game got done on TBS. 
I mean, it's great. Or you get the direct TV screensaver when the, the NFL package game. I mean, how can people do this? Yeah. But yet it's all, I mean, so when we started talking about this on follow the money uh, a couple of years ago, I and mean, now people tweet at us every day there, there's a bar there and they don't have the game on opening week of the NFL and they had cartoons. I mean, it's ridiculous, but it happens everywhere because they just don't care. They don't, and they don't train the bar staff and a lot of the bar staff's not into sports. So they don't know, they don't have a plan. You know, we actually have a team now of five people in an active content management department and we need it because I can't do it all anymore. You know? So, I mean, it was one thing when we had the long bar at the D it was another thing we added bar Canada, but now, I mean, it takes one person just to run the sports book screen. The casino bar at Circa Mega Bar has 46 TVs on it on the main floor. It takes one person to manage those 46 TVs. And then it's going to take one person to manage that huge screen at the pool. So, I mean, that's three people per day just, you know, right now, let alone the other hundred odd TVs that are in the casino. So it, it takes a whole department. There's a sheet. It comes out at 6 a.m. every day. And we send the sheet out. We go through the sheet. We look at our game plan each day of what we're going to have on, what's going to flow into what, how are we going to set it so if we have special requests, we still have some channels available for people. And, and that happens. The best examples are college football and college basketball, right? I mean, there's so many games. Somebody wants to watch a game that's not one of the main 10. We got to be able to put that on too, you know? So we look at this, we go through our daily flow, our game plan. Sometimes we argue about who's, where's the volume going to be. Sundays, we try to split the volume up in different places. You know, people want to watch different games. We have a largely Midwest crowd. So, you know, Lions, obviously, with Derek, Packers, Vikings, they're big fan favorites, Bears. Um, but now we have the Raiders in town. So, so that's the thing. Who are the hot t- Tampa Bay's becoming popular because of Brady. We go through a game plan. Who's going to get the volume on Sunday? Who's got the, the early game volume? Who's got the late game volume? You know, when the World Series is going up against Sunday night football, what which which game? You know, you know, there's an argument. People are arguing, no, it should be the Seahawks and Cardinals. I said, no, it's got to be, you know, we got to put on the Dodgers. There's so many Dodger fans out here. Game five of the World Series. You know, we got to put on the Dodgers. But it's a whole process. I mean, it's it, it's not just that somebody walks up and starts changing channels. That's phenomenal. Active content management. We see the failed version all the time. Mike Palm on my podcast from Circus Sports, Bet Sweats. Make sure you're subscribed. We check in with Hawthorne's Jim Miller next on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Every Saturday here on Early Odds, we check in with our friend Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse. And uh, Jim is one of the biggest White Sox fans I know. <laughs> Even though I'm not a Sox fan, I truly feel bad. I really do. They've done everything right. Not perfect on every decision. Not every free agent has worked out like Edwin Encarnacion, and that's fine. That's going to happen during a rebuild. But they were so reluctant to do it. They finally pull the trigger. Rick Hahn perfects some trades, just crushes opposing GMs. This is all working out, and then the owner stepped in, Jim. Tony, we got I'll tell you, I, I will take the Encarnacion move any day over what they're doing managerial-wise. <laughs> and it's, it's upsetting, Joe, because I always want to have one up on my Cub fan friends saying, hey, we're on the verge, we're the team on the up and up and that, and then all of a sudden they're making fun of you for this move. And I can't blame them. It's, it's, to me, it's upsetting. I, I could name off a dozen names that I would want before him, but uh, I guess hopefully when you got the talent to back it up, it can override anything. But, man, 10 years outside of the dugout's a long time. 
Oh, let's get in a good mood. Let's talk about some happy <laughs> things like the yes. National Football League in a moment. But first, I mean, we are, what, six days away six from the days. start of the Breeders' This is so strange. Like, Breeders' it, it, Cup is next oh. week. at the Masters next month. It's weird. We, we just got done with the Triple Crown, too, and that's the thing that's crazy. And all these horses are coming back right, right away a month later in the Breeders' Cup. And I'll tell you, it's a Friday and Saturday event next weekend. And the cool thing about it, you get great horses that are stakes winners that are going to be great prices. And, and that's the best thing about the Breeders' Cup. And, and it's at Keeneland this year. We'll see what happens weather-wise. If you do get rain, that really plays towards the Euros on the turf. But regardless, it's a great weekend to bet horse racing. We're still racing live here at Hawthorne, too. But it's kind of the World Series of horse racing and a great time for it. You gave us a bunch of winners last week. Uh, anything today on the board? Yeah, you know what? There's three races that I want to look at today and then one NFL play I want to ask you about for Sunday. But first, the three races for today. Go to Belmont Park, race eight. Bet the 11 horse. It can be done across the board. Eight to one in the morning line has speed and could wire that field. Then go to Delmar, race seven with the six, cordiality. Another one that has speed who's won at this distance on this course. And then go to Hawthorne, race six, the 10 horse and one. Bet this horse across the board also. Really a tough trip in that last out. Rated back and rally late, but all of those horses should have good shots at a price. But, Joe, I know you love a ton of NFL games on Sunday. I've gotten to look at what's been going on in the points bet sportsbook here at Hawthorne, and uh -huh. it's been busy on the Sundays. But I'll tell you, how are the Bills only minus three and a half or four against the Pats? It seemed like that should be a bigger number. <laughs> I think they're going to dominate them. Oh, man. Okay, so earlier in the week, I was trying to see if I could make a case for New England – three straight losses they can't score and then we find out on thursday julian edelman is right. out with the knee stefan gilmore was added to the injury report he might be dealt by the time we get to the trade deadline on tuesday i cannot make a case for new england no. i don't know how they're going to score any points my hesitation with buffalo is it's a divisional game and they haven't put together an entire game since week one against the Jets. Uh, for the most part, until recently, the offense has looked really good. Uh, the Bills just have no defense, but it might, it just might not matter going against this right. Pats squad. And the Pats squad, I mean, they could do nothing last week, nothing at all. And you, all right, you have Cam Newton, who was back. He tested positive for the virus. They say there could be lingering effects from some. You don't know, but the way he played last week, it sure looked like it. And this number just seems like it should be so much more. I know there's not fans in the stands, but the Bills are at home. It's not that big a number. And, yes, there's the Belichick factor that maybe brings it down. I think this is a lock this weekend. If there were fans there, Jim, this number would be six, maybe bet up yes. to a touchdown. Yes, I agree. Wow. And three I, and I, a half or four, either of those numbers are fine with me. Even at five or six, it's fine. I can't hate it. I, I can't in this NFL. I can't hate just fading teams that can't move the football, including right. the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. There. Let's see what happens in the wins Sunday afternoon for the Bears. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, the, the Saints don't try to push the ball down the field, anyways. So we right. could have gusts up to forty miles per hour, and that's going to impact a bunch of games throughout the Midwest tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. The first Sunday where the weather is a major, major factor. Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, we'll talk next week in the midst of the Breeders' Cup. All uh, right, you got it. Thanks, Joe. Have a good weekend. Everyone, enjoy the college football today, NFL tomorrow. Hit me up on Twitter, at Joe0670. Catch Bet Sweats by subscribing to the podcast all week long. Olada, La Russa, and Lester, I'm sure, coming up next on 670 The Score with Inside the Clubhouse. Best of luck, everyone.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.